1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash loss. My job is driving me crazy. Sorry. Do you hate your job or does your job hate you?
0: Sorry. Sorry. I can't find the answer to the question I heard. My career crisis.
1: My career crisis.
2: Welcome to another episode of My Career Crisis. We have a very exciting episode today. Um, Oh, you know, it struck me that I never say who I am at the top of the episode. I'm Ruth Barnes. Who are you? And that's Sue Hearn over there. Hi, Sue. Hello. Uh, Sue is our resident career guidance expert. She's the person that our guest today has come down from Glasgow to have a face-to-face with, um, which is amazing. Hi, Amanda. Hi there. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> thank you for having me. Um, all the way from Glasgow, we're honoured. We are honoured. We're immensely honoured and flattered that you've made the journey. Thank you so oh,
3: much. Thank you very much. I and just you're, you're, you're dressed
2: in tartan as well.
3: I know. I know. I thought, God, everybody's going to see a Scot when they're dressed in tartan. Like I absolutely love Scotland, but I thought, it was quite christmassy so
2: (laughs) you look ridiculously christmassy i love it it's a really good look Uh, it's putting me to shame in my black cardigan see we do not look very festive at all we have mince pies though so (laughs) that's good we are of course recording this episode just before christmas so um there is a bit of a festive feel festive although kind of slushy outside the snow that we had has just turned to brown muck so yay london (laughs) um Anyway, Amanda, wonderful to see you. We had the most wonderful email from you, um, your your career crisis. Well, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems to me that it has stemmed from one big sort of gear change that you weren't expecting, which mm-hmm. was that you you were going to study and this mm-hmm. was the big plan. And then when you actually went to study, you realised it wasn't for you and it wasn't going to work. And this mm-hmm. completely derailed you. Do you want to just walk us through that first? Um
3: well basically what it what it was when I was about the age of eleven, I decided that I wanted to become a dietitian, and I thought that's my be all and end all and in high school used like all um all done all my subjects around that um got into university at Glasgow Caledonian, which was brilliant um went to uni absolutely loved it. Uh, for the social side, <laughs> um, but the, the the course just wasn't what I expected. It was a lot of lab work. There was no social interaction. It just was awful. Um, I remember wow. there was one point I was in. I had a test in a lab, and I ran off the toilet and cried to my mum, and I, I didn't know what to do. And basically, that went on. I finished the year, and I, I passed all subjects bar one, and I had a reset. What I decided to do was um, just kind of put it to the back of my head and carry on. I was only eighteen, and um, my mum actually sat me down and went, "Look, Amanda, you've not done any studying whatsoever. I don't think your heart's in this, and I think you should just quit while you're ahead. You're just kidding yourself on." Um, And when my mum said that and my dad and sat me down, I I was—it just I kind of thought, "Yeah, you're right. There's no point in," um, and that wasn't easy for me to. To, to take, and I just remember the look in my dad's face. My dad was like, just just come out of uni, and he was very disappointed. And uh, I think I've just held that ever since. Um, and then it just went in a cycle of I was working part time in retail, which I loved. Um, I just love I I do love working in sales. I love interacting with folk and seeing people's reactions. And um, so I just continued that for three months full time just until I figured out what I was going to do. And then in December of 2011, we got made redundant. So that's when it all started again, Um, this feeling of being a failure all again. And I had various job... I had some job interviews for call centres, but it didn't work out. And my mum made me go to the job centre, went to the job centre, and they put me through... They said, because of your age... The highest unemployment rate is 18 to 24-year-olds. We want to put you through this programme and we'll educate you get your SVQ too. Um, And I thought, brilliant, great, because I want to maybe get into administration. Um, Done that for two months, so I wasn't getting paid through this programme. And the idea was that you sort of get your education, which wasn't really... It was like three weeks doing classwork. Then you get put into placement, Um, So I was being an office junior for free. I'd done that for two months, not getting paid. And there was a promise at the start that the job was going to be at the end and there was no job. So I started looking for my my own job by myself. Three weeks later, managed to get my first job in pensions. This job was with a big pensions company, which was brilliant, but it was only a tech contract because the office was closing. (sighs) Then I had to start looking for the job roles again. Managed to get into another pension role, but it was another temp contract for nine months this time.
2: Gosh, so it's like it's like you've just been plagued by these sort of yeah. stop-start, stop-start t- things, which you're obviously taking quite personally. Are you Are you feeling like this is something that you're jinxed or something, or it's something to do with you? It, what my dad?
3: I remember my dad just saying, "Why can't you just get a normal?" full-time job what's going on he didn't blame me by any means but he was just like this is because my dad said you can't plan I didn't have my driving license at this point and my dad said you can't commit to driving lessons at the moment because you don't know what your financial situation is going to be so you're, you're kind of like your life's almost like you can no know, planning and uh, which was difficult and you, then you start to think am I good enough for a full-time job mm. will I ever get one is this going to be my the rest of my life I got really lucky because um, me and my fiance, uh, well, this is before we got engaged. We went to our, Japan. We saved up our money and uh, went to our place we've always wanted to be. We went to Tokyo and we actually got engaged. And then a month later, um, I managed to get my first full time job, and and that was it.
2: Wow, that is interesting. I, I, mm-hmm. you know, it. There's quite a lot of things to get into here, and I think the first thing, Sue, that I want to throw your way is this. Is this, this is the stop-start nature of mm. that kind of contract work? When you are in that kind of fledgling you know, period of your career, when you really do need a bit of stability to try and get your head straight, how how bad is that for you to try and pull yourself out of it? such a difficult
4: situation. A lot of it depends, I think, on your own personality. Some people thrive on that sort of stuff. And it seems really obvious to me that what you like is a bit of stability mm. so that you can grow and, and develop. I mean, first of all, I have to say, well done to your mum and dad, in one way, because they they obviously adore you and could see you were unhappy. A lot of parents would have said, you've got to stick it out. Yeah. But they didn't. And they probably thought you would have stuck it out and have been unhappy, so they had to intervene and say something. Yeah. How how lovely was that? Mm -hmm. But the problem is, with our loved ones, um, when when you go home sometimes and you've had disappointments, they do something which is totally understandable, which is trying to support you. But it actually increases your grievance in some ways. So mm-hmm. when they say, what, what is this world about? that Somebody like you can't get a job. That actually doesn't make you feel better. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> um, I often you know, get people who have problems at work. And they go home and they might just be offloading to their partner or their loved ones. And and that person will say, it's terrible. I don't know why you work there. Now, it's very loving, but it doesn't make you feel any better. No. And if they phone me, what I'll say is, um, yeah, it's crap. That's right. It's crap. So what are you going to do about it? How how can we get out of this situation? Mm -hmm. Because that's the only thing that works. You have to try and have some power over it. But what was great was, and, and what was interesting, what you said at the beginning was, from 11, I wanted to be a dietitian. <laughs> yeah. What do you know when you're 11? I know. <laughs> Where did that come from,
2: the yeah. fascination I with food? I don't know.
3: I remember someone in um, my primary school said, I want to be a dietitian. I thought, what's that? And at the time, it was You Are what you eat. was like,
2: Oh, uh, yeah. Jillian and
3: my mum's terrible every time. Like, my mum, my we are healthy too. Mum's like, that's right. That's what I cook and that's great. And that's. So <laughs> I always thought there was a really positive... Thing about this show, and I thought, wow, I would love to go out and help people. And, um, but, but the
2: course was something much, to, I guess, it's very oh, no. scientific, isn't it? it yeah. Oh, yeah,
3: yeah, very dry, basically. Mm. And what um, what you what comes
4: off you in waves is the fact that you're very personable, you like being with other people, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure that's the bit of the dietitian thing that you saw helping, exactly.
3: yeah,
4: and yeah. and and that bit was great, but but we know nothing from nothing a lot of the time you know but you go into these courses and you think oh yes that'll be the qualifications that's what I'll do but we don't really know enough sometimes and and I, I don't want you ever to feel like you're a failure because you did one year of a degree because what you did you made a huge decision you said this is not right for me and I'm leaving now mm-hmm. some people would have just stuck it out also you gave up what you said yourself was a fantastic social life. You really loved that side of it. Mm-hmm. So that must have been a huge decision. To, and you know, with all your peers in the same year, to say, "I'm leaving."
3: Well, that I've got two pals from uni. My my best friend Simon and my my really good friend Alison. Alison's now doing her PhD, and Simon has continued and he's thriving with his degree and he loves it. Um, and that's there is an element of when I see Simon sometimes I'm like, oh God. Is, is he,
2: like, further ahead than me? What does further ahead mean? Yeah, you? this race, what, the race of life? Yeah, <laughs> I,
3: I, I've just got this constant battle, like, I better have my career sorted and I better be in this financial advisor position by the time I'm 30 and I better have my security by the time I'm 30, which I know is in my head, but I just can't can't get this pressure away from
2: i think you've you've won you've won the game of life already by being in love before you're 30 frankly i think that's more important (laughs) to me (laughs) more important than all that other crap Mm -hmm. everything else will fall into place but yeah i'm not disrespecting your worries but i think you know Mm -hmm. that's amazing
4: there is something we we were speaking about this earlier there is something about being 30 for me it has been was the worst birthday of my life because i wasn't sorted Personally, I wasn't in, live, even living geographically in the place I wanted to live in. Um, I, my job that I fought really hard to get really wasn't doing it for me. And at 30, there's just something about 30 and you look mm-hmm. around at your peers and they seem to be having a good life. And mm-hmm. this was way before social media where I would have been bombarded with pictures of their perfect lives, which we all know, obviously, opposed and not true, but mm-hmm. we buy into that rubbish. Um, so I, I really feel for you because I do think there's something... 40 was a breeze, 50 was nothing, you know? <laughs> but 30, there was something about 30. When you get over the other side of that, you'll be fine, yeah. I think. And also now... You know, you're with a man you love. You're um, you're just so sensible, You're much more sensible than I was. Mm. You you sound to me to be really, really sorted. But there's a recurring theme, especially what you just said about some of the people that you work with, which is you seem to be very concerned about what other people think.
3: That is my biggest problem. Mm. And what I took away from my old job when I decided to leave was not to not to consider. What other people think and just concentrate on myself and I, th- I think it's had made a huge difference with my new work because my new work is fantastic and there was a lot of scepticism when I left my old company and everyone said that's because it's a huge big massive pensions company I work for at the moment and everyone said that's the devil don't go to that side and um, I had when I left I had um, three powerful men and um, that actually made me really want to leave. They took me aside and I had various meetings with them. And they, and it wasn't even just like half an hour meetings. I had a meeting that went on all day and I had to leave at three o'clock because I was so distressed. What What were they saying to you? They were just saying that I was making the biggest mistake of my life and I wouldn't be able to pass my exams. from the Three preacher. men
2: who were up high in this company, who were powerful.
3: Yeah. hmm and I was getting me- personal messages through Facebook saying, um, like, I'm sorry for today, but I really don't want you to go. And it ended up, it was totally bizarre, actually. And I remember um, Mark, my God, is my, my fiancé and he is the biggest support. My gran, my sister and Mark are the three biggest support systems in my, in my life. And Mark came home. And I was complaining to him about because I had to leave at three o'clock and it was just awful. And I, I said, I don't know what to do. And I was just in such a mess. And Mark went, look, you've got one job that is paying you X amount and you've got another job that's paying you X amount. I wish I was in your position. You've got nothing to worry about. Just take... Take the new job and that's the end of that. Yeah. Mm. Which I needed, I needed that at the time. Um,
2: but you needed that push from yeah, him. Yeah. yeah. To, to almost have, to let go of these people who were, what is that, Sue? Bullying? What is that? That's not professional well, behaviour. No, it's not professional behaviour. And um, I
4: think if somebody, I, I think what's at the core of this is you were very useful to them.
3: Yeah.
4: They, I mean, so in some ways it's very complimentary. But, you know, I'll often get people phoning me and saying, you know, I, I want to move, but my boss is, is actually saying it's a mistake, um, I won't get on very well. And and I always question that advice because if you're a boss and you've got someone who works really hard for you and is not complaining, is nice to have around, what possible incentive is there for you to help them progress? Mm -hmm. Because they fill a hole for you, they support you. And I will often try and be completely dispassionate and objective with somebody. They may decide to stay, they may decide to leave. But when three bosses, I mean they they obviously cared about you and wanted to do you to do well, which is lovely. But they then, and I would say bullied, I would say that because they weren't in fact, one of them realized perhaps the effect he was having because he said, "I'm sorry about today." Another tip, never have your boss on Facebook
3: <laughs> nor yeah. never yeah that that was the kind of problem with mold work as well it was a huge social aspect and it was like everybody had everybody on facebook and there was a lot of cliques and Mm. i just started to feel like there was instances where really inappropriate instances were happening and i would make comment on it and one of the managers actually came to me and said you could get me into trouble for making those comments like don't say that um, about one of these instances and I thought god I need to get myself out of here yeah. this is awful this is not it sounds me. toxic yeah it sounds and, bad um, the thing was as well <laughs> one of the um managers took me out for coffee and I said to him he said why why are you sitting your exams why why if everybody why have you decided to do this and I explained to him about I've always wa- I want to get my degree I want to educate myself and um he and I told him why I came out, and he exactly what you said to me he said that was brave. But in the situation where I was in a meeting with three, two other managers and him, he manipulated that and said, "You made a wise decision coming out of uni. Then make another wise decision now and stay oh. with us." And I thought you <laughs> wow. just blew that for yourself because how dare you? Yeah, how yeah. dare you think that I'm this stupid, naive, bimbo, twenty-four-year-old because yeah. I'm not, and I'll prove you wrong. And at that point, I thought I'm definitely making the right decision. Yeah, I, I think if you
4: worked for me and we got on very well, and I thought you were very good at your job, I, if I'm a good manager, I totally understand that if I can't provide you with promotion, that you will leave. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, hopefully, what I always did was to try and create an atmosphere where people loved working for me. You know, I didn't. It didn't always work, but that's what I tried to do, so that people would maybe stay a bit longer. But I knew I'd probably lose them in the end. And as a manager, you have to plan for that because that's actually says a lot about how good a manager you are, that people are progressing and moving on and maybe later they might come back. So I would, if you decided to leave, I'd sit down with you and I'd talk about, tell me why you want to leave, you know. And then I might think, is there anything that she wants that I can give her to get her to stay longer? But otherwise, I would say, look... I, I'm really sad to see you go, but I just only wish you the best because that's all you can do, mm-hmm. and to try and hang on to people. What do you think that do you think they're going to be happy under duress if they start working for you? Mm-hmm. But but the other thing is the the this issue about other people saying you know who do you think you are? I mean, did actually anybody ever say that to you? No, I think a lot of it because it was in my head as well. Right. I'm not saying it it didn't exist because, you know, tall poppy syndrome. I think there are always people, and and what that says is that they themselves feel inadequate. Mm -hmm. They failed the exam or maybe you're a bit more chatty and personable than they are and they feel a bit jealous about that and that comes out in, well, who does she think she is? You know, if you're sussed in yourself, you never say that about somebody else. You Mm -hmm. might feel a bit of... A, a tang of, of of jealousy or something but you don't actually think oh well, good luck to her mm-hmm. you know I'm sad I can't be that good
3: yeah.
2: how are you getting on with relationships at the job now because this is the job that is the, the one you move to that you're really happy in yeah. although there are still some issues around work life balance which, which we'll come to but just to stick to this point about relationships at work I know you said in your email you were your you were your bubbly, happy self in your old job uh-huh. and you felt like maybe you can't be that in this I'm job? I'm just
3: scared. I'm scared to cross that, that line. That um, I'm definitely... There's people in my team that I just adore. I adore everybody in my new team. They're fantastic, especially... My manager's just brilliant, as in he's not like my last manager. He's very understanding and even if I'm staying late, I always get a text from him saying, don't stay late, don't push yourself. And, and the training's there as well, which i really need and i and i am so grateful for um but it is that is is it kind of you know can i really be myself i don't want to just fall back into the loophole of like in mold work where we're all pally pally and then you're scared to say that's what i struggle with is having that professional relationship
2: mm. that's yes you've been burned by that yeah, situation exactly. before where everyone's in each other's lives on and off you know in yeah. in the real world and not in the real world yeah. on social media as well uh-huh. it sounds like a nightmare
4: i think boundaries are very important mm-hmm. you know but, um, so that you don't step out with those those boundaries but at the same time actually having to behave constantly in a way that's not your natural personality is very stressful
3: uh-huh.
4: so i would say be yourself because you know what we've seen today is lovely, but there have to be boundaries. So, for example, really think hard about including anybody on Facebook. You know, mm. you know. Um, when people ask you maybe to have a drink after work or whatever, I mean, it's good to go sometimes because mm. you see people in a more relaxed Pretty setting to let off steam
2: together, right? Yeah,
4: but but you. But the other thing is now you have a life, you have a fiance, and it's about getting that balance right. Yeah. Um, including lots of staying late. I mean there's a great thing in as um, there's a, an expression for it in the UK, which is called presenteeism. Now I'm not accusing you of this at all because um, but, but, the, but the idea of presenteeism is it's you're not measured by what you actually achieve, but how long you are at work.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: and um, I've known people for example to leave coats on the back of chairs to give the impression that they're still at work when I mean I, I have actually come across this which is oh. pathetic now when you first start a company I think there's always a period where you think oh god I don't know as much as I think I should know mm-hmm. so you stay late you finish things whatever mm-hmm. but I would have a conversation with your boss because he seems to be quite concerned about you staying late about what his expectations are that you should be achieving in a week
3: Yeah, absolutely, I think that's exactly, because there is that as as well, just feeling like, Oh my god! Like I've just came in and they probably think
2: she's useless, you know? Right. Why would yeah. Why
4: would they think that? They yeah. employed you. Yeah. I just, <laughs> They're you investing
2: know. in your training. Yeah. They obviously see potential in you. You know, there's it's 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 only the pennies only really dropped with me and and kind of working hours recently where someone said to me, you know, there's no reason why I shouldn't just work nine thirty to five thirty or six o'clock in my current job. If they want me longer, they need to pay me more. They need to upgrade my salary. They need to give me a new title. Then maybe I'll commit more but Mm -hmm. right now what they get from me on my office hours. There's no reason why I should be working outside of those office hours. Yeah. And um it really resonated with me. I thought, actually, that's a really good point. And I think you, you obviously feel like you're at quite a vulnerable time in your new job and you don't want to be kind of, you know, laying down these boundaries now, I mm-hmm. suppose. But maybe now is a good time to Absolutely. be saying, look, I'm getting married. I need time with my fiancé. You know, yeah. they don't want you unhappy at home. They Because no. that's going to impact your work. They don't ask
3: work. me. It's, usually, it's, it's always me volunteering. But I think it comes back to the whole me just trying to that's the problem with the work-life balance because I'm because I'm to sit in these exams which are quite hard um because it's it's essentially a degree and doing these hours I just constantly think I need to work I need to work I need to be where I want to be and everything else can just come secondary Mm -hmm. and um it, it does um Mark's a brilliant support, but we don't spend a lot of time together. It's a lot of organisation trying to, because s- mm. he's sometimes does night shift and um, he's happy for me. Wants me to achieve everything, and he's he's brilliant. I come home, and he cooks my dinner every day, and he makes my lunch every day, and he's just fantastic. But there is an element where he's like, "God, look, just give it a rest. Like, let's just go out, forget yes. about it." Yeah, but that's I, can't important. Relax. I can't When, relax. It, when is When is the
4: studying over? How long will this degree take?
3: Well, I'm trying to do it in two years. (laughs) Right. um, Would it be easier to do it in three? It could, but I've just got it in my head. The problem is when this manager sat me down and introduced me to the degree, he said his proposition was do it in two years and then come and work for me in sales. Um, So I've just had it in my head. Everybody does it in two years.
2: Um, okay. I, I think that might be something practical that might need to change. I don't know. What do you well, think? Well, I mean, so? it's it's up to you. It's, yeah. I mean, one school of thought
4: would be, let's just get it out of the way. Yeah. yeah. So it would be really hard for two years. But that still means you have to have a date night with Mark Nan again yeah. because he is so supportive and you wouldn't want him getting fed up. No. Yeah. Um, and also i think if you can give yourself light at the end of the tunnel so if you say this is going to be really hard for 2 years but then we'll be in such a fantastic position mm-hmm. i mean the good thing is now you live to get together so yeah. you know but it's very easy to take each other for mm-hmm. granted yeah. but uh, but I, uh, so there's the studying that's one bit which obviously if you decide you want to get it over with in 2 years but again it does raise a, a bigger question which is somebody says do it in 2 years and i, I anybody who's listening to this i want them to think does that suit me? So instead of going, right, OK, off I go, it's, well, I could do it in two years. I could do it in three years. Now, let me weigh that up before I start committing myself. Yeah. So it's making a more informed choice. Um, I think the other thing, going back to the actual work then, so you've got the studying, which is on the side. The actual work, for me, sometimes if I'm working with a manager and I see a lot of their staff are working late, for me, that sometimes says that, that, that this is not efficient why mm-hmm. are people working late now you're saying it's self-imposed and when you start a job there's always an element of trying to learn mm-hmm. but I'd like you to have a conversation with your manager about realistically if I'm working really effectively for you how much work should I be getting through on a daily basis on a weekly basis on a monthly basis mm-hmm. and then um, the other tip that I would give everybody is whenever anybody gives them some work to do you can, I'm sure you already do this but you always say to the person giving it to you when do you need it by Everything has to be deadlined.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Now, let's supposing you, because I can imagine you in an office setting being really amenable, if I ever say to you, could you do this? Yes, of course, sir. I'll do that for you. Yeah. So the trouble is, as a manager then, I forget how much I've given you.
3: Mm-hmm. Right.
4: So let's say you are being really overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. But because you're smiley and um, happy to do anything I ask, I just give you the work and I forget how much I've given to you. Mm-hmm. So let's supposing you've got six different things to do and the deadline is Friday and I've just given you another thing. And you think, oh, my, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this mm-hmm. without staying here till 10 o'clock at night. What I would do is not say I can't do this. I would go to the boss and I would say, thanks for this other piece of work you've given me. Now, that, that's seven with a deadline for Friday. Realistically, I might not be able to do seven by Friday. So what would your priority be? Right. Mm-hmm. Now, what you then do is you remind that manager... He's given you seven things to do. And I'm sure if you said it to me, I'd go, oh, my God, did I have a, Have I given you seven? Oh, no, no, don't worry about that. I mean, one, six, and three are the ones that are really important, mm-hmm. right? And that's another thing, generally checking in with your manager to talk about priorities because you might think that's most important. Your manager might
3: have a different idea. Yeah, that's that exactly. Yeah, you're right. Yeah.
4: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. Working for somebody and feeling secure is very important to you. But being a financial advisor is often self-employment, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So is your ambition to be a self-employed financial advisor?
3: Um, um, I think my my aim is to, you can go through companies, like a a wider range company and they employ you. I think you get a basic rate and then you get commission on top of that. Um, So that's the kind of route that I'm thinking about going for a couple of years until I get my bearings right. Um, I, I know you can go in as trainees as well, so go in as a trainee, and then once I'm confident enough, I think it's, at the moment, I've, I've, I'm have i not confident enough in myself. um, And once I've I've got that round experience, then I, I think I, I can cope with that.
4: And what about what this person said to you, do this for two years and then come and work in sales? Because mm-hmm. that seems to be a complete right turn. That doesn't seem to be... It...
3: Well, that was another thing with the company as well. There was a individual working under him, about the same age as me, and he he was old. He was good at his job because he worked there for six years since he left school. Um, but he was he wasn't. He was quite, put it frankly, lazy with it, and um, never passed his exam. So his this manager, his intention was for me to pass my exams and take his place,
2: and right. go then right. above him. Um, which. You know, it's a bit sneaky, um, but I guess the question is, why do the financial advisor exam if you're going to go into sales at the pensions company? Is yeah. that sort of what um, you're asking?
3: Because th- when you're and when you're doing that, you need to be as qualified as a financial advisor because it see. looks good when okay. you're discussing pensions with them, and it's like you're all on the same level almost. Um, but I, I, th- I think I would just prefer being a financial advisor.
2: I think you need to take things one step at a time, right? And the exams are numero uno with with trying to scale back on how hard you're working now, I think, and giving your fiancé a bit of time. And if that means literally a Google calendar that the two of you share with like blocking out time that you're going to spend together, that's Mm -hmm. not a bad thing to do. No. Especially if he works shifts. I've been there before where you're like ships in the night. It's horrible. Mm -hmm. It's horrible. And you'll look at each other and I mean, you know, my now husband and I used to meet and go to the cinema in the afternoon because we were on such different shifts. <laughs> that that would be the time we could spend some time together. Uh-huh. It's ridiculous, but you the, know. But,
4: but the real key to that is is talking. You yeah. know, I mean, he obviously, he sounds like a complete diamond, you know, that oh, yes. <laughs> he's totally supportive of you. But actually talking about when this might end, you know, so in two years... I will have my qualification, that will take the pressure off us. Mm-hmm. But during those two years, we have to make more time with us. And I think, I know it sounds a bit silly just having the Google calendar, but it's it's worth it.
0: Yeah. You know,
4: actually, maybe on a monthly basis, maybe on a weekly basis, whenever he knows his shifts, looking at what he's
2: doing, looking at what you're doing, and then planning something. That- on a weekly basis that you could do together yeah it just shows intention the intention is there from you that, yeah. that you want to keep him number one as well and that Absolutely. he's not always going to play second fiddle to the job and the exams and yeah. you know which is hard it's hard to feel that way especially when you love the person and you will do anything to support them mm-hmm. but you know you do get to that There's point where times you're...
3: So I come home and I'm grumpy and I'm huffy and I just can't be bothered <laughs> with them, and he's like that look we need to discuss you need to talk to me yeah and I'm like, oh my God I don't want to talk to you <laughs> but I think that that's
4: another really important issue it's about emotional control mm-hmm. you're you're grumpy and huffy with the person that matters the most to you in the world uh-huh. and and familiarity breeds contempt that's what we do mm-hmm. but to actually i mean I know do you do you live near where you work or do you no. have a commute
3: I've got an hour commute near oh, the back right yeah. now
4: I actually think I know that's a lot of people might say that's a pain, but I think that's quite a good decompression time mm-hmm so, but you f- mindfully have to do this. So let, first of all, think about why you're grumpy and huffy. And it might be too, because you're staying too late or working too hard. Yeah. It might be that there are, there's something you should have said at work that you didn't say. right so it's actually sitting on that train or that bus at night and thinking about right why am i feeling like this i feel really grumpy why am i grumpy oh it's because of that so and so and that actually helps you to get rid of it so that by you the time you walk in that door Mm -hmm. you put a smile on your face and now sometimes you might want to share it with him because he might have something interesting to say but actually you know um and, and he's so good with you because he says, you know, don't do not do this. Yeah. He picks up on it. He, does, he doesn't He does just have a row back with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've learned, you know, when my, my daughter was a teenager and she'd come in and she'd be in a huff. And it used to drive me nuts because I think I'm a really nice person. Why are you doing this to me? But then I just, I, I used to say, okay, what's the matter? Nothing. Well, mm-hmm. Are you sure there's nothing the matter? Yeah. Be- have I done something to upset you? No, I haven't. Okay, then. You go off and be grumpy and huffy, but I'm not going to be upset by it. Uh And gradually she realised what she was doing and she stopped doing it. Uh So I think that that hour would be really good for you just to think, I'm going home to a lovely man and home is really nice. We've got our own flat. I can leave all this crap behind. It's just work.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to just bring in another sort of confidence email that we've had in from Annie, where the theme is confidence as well. You might resonate with this, Amanda. It would be good to get your thoughts as well. Mm -hmm. She says, I'm in my early 30s, working full time, making just above minimum wage in the hospitality industry. I think I'm articulate and professional. My family feels I am squandering my talents and intellect in a dead end job. I explain that I'm thankful just to have a job in this economy, especially considering most of my friends have university degrees and only get part time hours at their fast food jobs. While I sometimes wish I'd gone on to post-secondary education, I'm pleased to not be in debt like my friends. The quandary comes when customers at work tell me I'm wasting my time at this job. It makes me feel uncomfortable and I never know how to respond. They often tell me I'm too keenly into intellective or too charismatic to be there and often offer me suggestions of what types of jobs I should be doing instead. Uh, On more than one occasion, a customer has actually tried to hire me. How should I go about replying to these people without offending them or seeming ungrateful? What on earth? That's a crazy one. We've never had anything like this before. No, I mean, but again, it's worrying
4: about what other people think. Mm -hmm. I mean, the parent thing is interesting, because when you're a parent yourself, you only ever want the best for your children. And if you see them what you think is making a mistake, you feel that perhaps by jumping in and saying, look, I don't really think this is a good idea, this is helping them. And what I've learned to do is to say, "Okay, why do you want to do this? Mm -hmm. You know, now, if this person was talking to me and said, I love my job. My question would be, are you okay at earning so little money? And it doesn't sound as though she's got a problem with it at the moment. No, she seems quite happy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So um, if she loves going into work every day, there are so many people who can't say that. I think her parents should just back off and be supportive. But there is something else there, which is so many people are seeing something else in her Mm-hmm. that I think that's worth thinking about mm-hmm. so maybe thinking about what she loves about her job and then thinking is there something another job that I could have that interaction with people I could be very good at it but I could earn a bit more money um because as you get older money becomes more important you have to mm-hmm. find as you know yourself you've bought a flat you know mm-hmm. which would probably be impossible at your age in london to do but you've managed to do it in glasgow which is wonderful um also if you have children, suddenly, you know, existing on Bread and Dripping and tuppence Hapenay is absolutely fine, then you have kids. And then all of a sudden, it's all about providing for them, so you need more money. So I think what's happening at the moment, she's living in a... She sounds like she's having a great time, she's not unhappy at all, but it's always perhaps best to have an eye on the future and to think, will I be happy doing this when I'm 45? Maybe not, Mm -hmm. you know? So are there other strings to my bow that I could develop... But if you're happy doing what you're doing, I would say, you know, don't worry about what other people have got to say,
3: you know. Yeah. That's that's what the most difficult thing is. We do tend to just think constantly about what other people Mm. think of us. And I do think a lot of it does come down to this whole social media, um, where everybody's out being fantastic and...
2: Yeah, filters. And that just, just filters that's all it is <laughs> no, it's, all uh, posed. it's all fine I, yeah. and also I think the two of you are doing pretty well for sticking to your guns yes. actually yeah. you know your sister could have been worn down and she could be doing some really you know really boring academic thing that doesn't fulfill her at all and she's but, doing well and you're following your own path as well but I from think the you're parents doing great point of view yeah
3: you
4: know that you're not going to be there for the whole lot of, of your children. And so mm-hmm. you just want to make sure that they're going to be okay. Yeah. And that's what motivates that. You have to earn money. You have to do this. Um, and I always... I, I mean, it's, it's hard to bite your tongue, but I've always, I've always tried to do that. Mm-hmm. And I've always said, you know, do what makes you happy. If my, one of my kids went to university, one didn't. Mm. And if the one who did had said she didn't want to go, I would have said, okay,
3: it's a lot to think about and I I find that schools, high school as well is terrible for you know, you need to be all and end all and and I remember being in sixth year and there was a girl who said I don't want to go to uni, I want to be a hairdresser but she stuck out right to the end and everyone it was like, it was totally taboo, it was like what's the point in being here, which is unfair Mm. it shouldn't be like that and that's a lot of the problems with even me and my two best friends talk about all the time as well is this feeling of you know we never got the support in high school to be shown that you know it's okay to to not go to any straight after school it's okay to to do something else
2: i wish i'd done something else after school
3: frankly. but the
4: key is and we've mentioned this many times before is the narrative around it it's the story that you'd say and if somebody says oh Did you not go to university? So there's like a criticism in it. You become Mm -hmm. very defensive. Mm -hmm. So instead, if you have a phrase that you say, which is, no, I really didn't fancy it. I wanted to work. Mm -hmm. I wanted to earn money. Mm -hmm. That's it. You know, I realised the course wasn't right for me. I left. Mm -hmm. I think, especially in England and Wales, where we have to pay for education, you know, that's a huge thing about whether or not you should stay. There's almost... It's almost... um, If you don't take advantage of the university in Scotland because it's free, there's almost all you're mad. Exactly. You know, but but I I would just, you have got to phrase, find a phrase, a narrative around what you did, which was I made some really, I made the wrong decision about going to university. Then I made the right decision by leaving it. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to work and I wanted to earn money and I haven't looked back. Mm. That's it. That's Mm -hmm. the phrase you have in your head. So if you meet anybody new... That's what you say. Yeah. Instead of being pushed into this defensive position, which actually I'm, I'm I'm, in awe of what you've done because I just think it was so strong. It was so brave. Well
2: done. Yeah, Thank me you too. And get that Google calendar sorted out <laughs> <Yeah>. with Mark. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming all the Thank way from you. Glasgow yeah, and sharing your brilliant. crisis with us. Does it feel... Do you feel like you might be able to kind of be a little bit more positive about the way things are going?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I feel... Um, I need to. I need to think about it, and I think um, calm down with this whole race that I'm trying to yeah, achieve. Just... It's just me, though. Everything has to. I have to go. Everything until burnout. It's just. But that's again the question
4: you have to ask yourself: Why am I doing yeah. this? Uh-huh. And you, you don't have to do it. You can make decisions about your own life. Forget what other people think. It's about you making your decision about you.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, thanks, Amanda. Okay, Uh, if you would like to come on My Career Crisis and be part of Series 3, then please do get in touch. Info at chalkandblade.com is the email address. You can find us on Twitter as well, at My Career Crisis. And please don't forget to share the podcast if you're enjoying it and rate and review us on iTunes as well. Uh, We always love to hear from you um, and how much you're enjoying the podcast. Thanks so much again, Sue thanks Amanda and uh, we're back with one more episode after this it's our post bag next week so we'll catch you then thanks My Career Crisis is a Chalk and Blade and Rosina Sound production we are completely independent if you're out there and you'd like to give us some money to make My Career Crisis we would love to take it off you Please do email us about sponsorship opportunities with My Career Crisis. Info at chalkandblade.com. Chalkandblade.com.